0: But we don't want to be a distraction leaning on one side or the other. We Mm. want to live up to the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made.
1: Welcome to Elevate Retake. My name is Michael, and I'm the teaching pastor for Elevate, a community fellowship of Keene Church. On Elevate Retake, you can expect to hear thought-provoking, biblically-based messages that I and some of my friends present. We want you to experience faith as the continual, everyday process of learning more about the Bible, ourselves, and about God. And I believe this podcast will be just what you need to come to a closer relationship with God. We've got a fantastic new season planned for you. It's called You Gotta Try This, and I'd like to introduce you to someone. Her name is Danae, and she'll be your host for this season guide you through each topic. Denae?
2: Thanks, Michael. Today's episode is titled, Try Beauty. Now, the engaged question is, when was the last time that you stopped and smelled the roses? The key passage we're talking about is Psalm 27, verse 4. Here's what it says. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. The key theme today is that God uses the aesthetics and the beauty around us to express his character to us so that we know that he is beautiful and he's good. There is an invitation here for an experiential and an experimental relationship with God and experiencing the beauty in your own life from Jesus. The guest today is April Snyder, the associate chaplain at Southwestern Adventist University.
1: This morning, I am joined by Miss April Snyder. Glad you're here this morning with us. We're in a series called what?
0: You gotta try this.
1: Right? And we've been journeying through um, this kind of topical series that takes a look at an experimental and experiential relationship with God. And what's our topic for this morning?
0: Uh, Well, we're going to go over beauty and aesthetics.
1: Okay. I'm really
0: excited about that topic, actually.
1: You know, and we're going to... We're going to talk about it in a moment, but that's often not talked about from the pulpit or no. in discussion or in Bible study.
0: Right? No, 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 it's not, yeah. not. So I was really uh, I was really intrigued when you brought that topic up. And I think your engaged question, when was the last time you smelled the roses, is perfect, <laughs> perfect for that topic.
1: Shout out to Chris and Itzel for, yes. uh, for that video. Thank you for including the roses in your front the front porch of your house. That was fantastic. Starting with that engaged question. When, April, was the last time that you stopped to smell the roses?
0: Mm, Well, honestly, uh, if I have, I'm going to be honest, uh, this time has been really special to me. I'm kind Mm -hmm. of an introvert, so I really, it has helped me pause and enjoy the little beautiful things around me. And I don't know if you remember, back in February, we went Mm -hmm. to Georgia and Tennessee, Mm -hmm. and we stayed in the beautiful uh, Cahada Springs um, campus area. I don't Uh. know if they had a camp that was and, the campus
1: ministries
2: convention, yes right? yeah. campus
0: ministries convention and uh they had so many geese i don't know if that's like a georgia thing but they had like thousands and thousands of geese mm-hmm. and i uh i had i saw a documentary many years ago about when the geese fly together and they honk at each other to encourage each other to keep going mm-hmm. and every morning i woke up and i heard them like flying overhead and honking at each other and that really helped me stop and say like, wow, what a beautiful world that God has created. Mm -hmm. And since this time, I've been, whenever I wake up in the morning, I hear a flock of geese going over and they're honking at each other. And (laughs) I, I I know it's just a small, silly thing, but it it reminds me that God made such beauty around us to be Mm. appreciated, but also reflects the creator.
2: Right.
0: So, um, also... I stopped by my parents' garden and I cut this flower for this topic. Wow. Yeah, so it's so, actually from my parents' garden. It's a real flower. Just, it is a real flower. Head. It is. <laughs> I just, I, I wanted to, uh, it reminded me when I was thinking of your question, mm-hmm. you know, stop and smelling the roses, and I, I wanted to remind myself that there's so much beauty, even in a world where things are unsure. So. Oh. For you, Pastor Michael, when was the last time that you stopped and smelled the roses?
1: Well, in the midst of all the rain that we got this week, I had a little bit of time to mow our yard. Um, We live right here in Keene, my wife and I. And we've been pretty excited because there's this, I can't call it a rose bush um, (laughs) or a rose plant. It's more like a a rose branch. Stick. It's like a stick, a rose stick. Um, And that stick, uh, last summer and this summer, has been producing some of the most beautiful vibrant deep wow. pink purple red rose that even just, though
0: it's not like a bush no
1: and then no, even though it's not a bush it's this stick and it's got like four or five clusters of flowers on it and i was mowing the lawn uh, i think it was on thursday it was it thursday night i don't remember it doesn't matter but as i was mowing the backyard i would glance over occasionally and look at those roses uh, and it was a reminder to me, it sounds cliche because of the, the the phrase that we're using this morning, stopping and smelling the roses, that I actually stopped and smelled the roses. Uh, <laughs> but it was a reminder to me of God's presence and his mm-hmm. appreciation of beauty and a little bit of spark of light and a little bit of spark of color in the midst of everything that's going on.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, I actually want to ask what compelled you to bring up this topic of beauty and aesthetics like you said earlier it's mm-hmm. never talked about from the pulpit i've i've never heard a sermon <laughs> on beauty and in fact i feel Sometimes it's kind of not shunned, but mm-hmm. kind of uh, minimized. Right. Like, let's not focus on those things. Mm-hmm. So what 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 inspired you to? Uh
1: well, the, the whole premise of this series is you got to try this. And it's an invitation to an experimental and experiential relationship with God. Hmm. And I was thinking and praying over different topics that we could look at. And so far, we've looked at the kind of general invitation to to join that relationship with God. Last week uh, with Jonathan, we talked about the power of story and the the compulsion of scripture to read the Bible as a story in the narrative. And the reason that we're looking at beauty this morning is exactly that. We don't talk about it a lot. And the fact that beauty sometimes gets put on the back burner because it's been conflated with some other negative things.
0: Like worldliness?
1: Worldliness. Okay. Lust, pleasure, desire, some of those things that we as Adventists cringe away from. Right. We spend a lot of time talking about doctrine. We spend a lot of time talking about truth uh, and a very mental, logical expression and experience with God. But often we glance right over and glaze right over what it means to experience beauty. And the Bible actually has a, a lot to say about that.
0: Yeah. I find that interesting because... When we read the creation story, starting in the very beginning, we see that God took the time to make beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. he made Adam to work alongside those beautiful things and actually name those beautiful things like right. he. So yeah. th- from the very beginning, God is God right. is pointing our attention to the beautiful right. things around us. Yeah.
1: I love the creation story because in Genesis chapter one, uh, God spends six days creating the earth. And then on the seventh day, he rested. And each time that the day ends, God steps back and he surveys his creation. And he said, this is good. And then on the sixth day, he says, this isn't just good. This is very good. Wow. And in the English language, it's easy to miss that. Yeah, it's easy to miss that. And good. What does good mean? It's Mm kind of like the word I love. I can love pineapples and I can love my wife.
2: And was, those have very, mm, very different very meanings, different right? Things, yeah. And the
1: term good has very different meanings as well. I could ask you how you are this morning. You said, Oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good right? right? Or, Man, that pizza's
0: good. Yeah, right? it's different. It's different. It's
1: different. And if you go to the original Hebrew text, mm. the word found for good is the word tov, which means that it's more than just a, a kind of a pleasure or good, it's something that's desirable, it's wow. something that's beautiful. So wow. God's surveying creation. And he's stepping back and he's admiring. And he's saying, wow, this is beautiful. This is desirable. This is something
0: wow. that's good. So from the very beginning, God had in mind that beauty is desired. It's something to be appreciated. I mean, why would God take the time to make something beautiful mm-hmm. if it wasn't important, which right. is kind of like we often think, well, I'm not going to focus on what's beautiful or form. I'm going to focus on the function of it instead of focusing right. on just appearances. I'm going to focus on what it can do for me. But God combines those in such an amazing way. Like we were just talking about yesterday, hummingbirds, for example. Mm -hmm. They are gorgeous and their colors are so different and arrayed. But they they serve a very, very particular and amazing function by the way they are. But we can also appreciate them. Right. Absolutely.
1: And the Bible uses this theme of beauty a lot. And it's a shame that we don't talk about it. Um, It's all throughout the Psalms. Uh,
0: Oh, that's so true. The
1: passage that Aaron read a moment ago, Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek. And we focus on that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And that's Mm -hmm. that's a good Mm -hmm. thing. But David doesn't finish the thought there. The reason that he's wanting to dwell in the house of the Lord is to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. And there's a whole bunch of different examples of this in Psalms. There's Psalm 29, verse two, which says worship God in the beauty
0: of holiness. holiness." Isn't it amazing? I just had like an epiphany. Isn't it amazing that David from his perspective, he's probably saying in my life, I have seen all the beautiful things that God has made, Mm -hmm. but it's a reflection of the person who made them. And when I get to heaven, I'll be able to dwell and gaze upon the source of all of this beauty.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we, Paul picks this out in Romans and we're going to dive into this a little bit later, but he tells us that there's people that instead of worshiping the creator, worship, worship the, the created, creation, yeah. right? Or the created. Yeah. And we can kind of get our eyes off mm. a little bit and, and miss the point that the beauty of creation is pointing us back to the creator. And God wants to invest in a relationship with us and show us his glory and his beauty through the beauty of creation.
0: So in, in, creation, we see that God takes time to to show us the beauty. But I, I see another part, which is like mm-hmm. the sanctuary. Yes. Where God really, really, why is it so detailed? Why do we see so much mm-hmm. like emphasis put on different things that is being built, the materials that is being used, right. the craftsmanship behind it, like yeah. the bowls and the curtains mm-hmm. and the carvings? Like why, why so much emphasis? Why so much time spent? on on describing what the sanctuary how beautiful it is and the materials made that's a really
1: that's a really good question and I you're referencing the the wilderness tabernacle the sanctuary that God established in Exodus yes and then we also see throughout Scripture this repetition of the, the rebuilding of the temple. David wants to do it, but then Solomon is the one that yes. actually builds the physical temple. And then Zerubbabel comes back yes. around, and then we've got the temple in Jerusalem, ultimately pointing to the temple and the sanctuary in the book of Revelation. Yes. So there's this theme of sanctuary throughout. And you, you mentioned it, in uh, the wilderness sanctuary is found in the book of Exodus the whole book of exodus the first half of it is describing israel's route from egypt mm-hmm. out of bondage to the promised land right. and they take some detours and some different stuff and god says what can i do to show them mm-hmm. my glory what can i do to show them what the the beauty of a relationship with is what the beauty of a relationship with me is yeah. and so he spends god himself spends 6 chapters exodus 25 to 31 describing this sanctuary Hmm. that ultimately is going to be a representation of the plan of salvation to man. And you mentioned it, there's all of these ornate coverings and gold and furs and smells and sounds and all this kind of stuff. And I believe from that reading God is trying to describe himself in a physical way. Wow. There's the the saying that if wow. you you look at somebody's house and how it's decorated yeah. or how it's not decorated or how it's organized <laughs> or how it's not, not organized, organized. <laughs> <laughs> not calling anybody out, uh, you can tell a lot about the person that lives yeah, in the, the house. Yeah,
0: the owner. Right. Right.
1: And when we read the example of, uh, the, or the story of the sanctuary and how it's built, there's an incredible amount of detail that goes into it. And we could spend the rest of the time talking this, about the importance it, of this, that, uh, yeah. how it comes back in scripture and whatnot, but it's visually appealing. Absolutely. There's colors galore yeah. all over the place. It's pleasing to the ears because mm. there were, the Levites were commissioned to play instruments and later on, uh, and, and when David had set up the this, this sanctuary, he was actually making instruments and mm-hmm. making music. And there were 288 Levitical singers. That's in 1 Chronicles 25.7. That
0: is incredible. It's a choir. That is incredible. That is
1: probably the numbers of music festival, which we wow. have here at Southwestern Abbas University in the Keene Church. All the high school students from around coming and singing, imagine that number every Sabbath singing praises to God. Wow. And then What a taste also, of heaven. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it?
0: What a taste of heaven. That is incredible.
1: <laughs> and then you've got the 4,000 instruments that David has made. That's in 1 uh, Chronicles 23, verse 5. And then you've got all kinds of choirs and festivals and everything uh, that is commissioned in 2 Chronicles 5, 22 through 14. So you've got the ears. And then you've what also got... What about the smell? Yes. So not only do you have the, the maybe not so pleasing smell of burnt hair and burnt flesh with right, the sacrifices, right. although God says that that's a beautiful smell. Hmm. They also, it goes into extensive detail in Exodus chapter 30, describing the oil that God is commissioning to be used in the sanctuary, cleansing process and everything. And they're mixing all this stuff together to create this beautiful smell. And then there's also the substance called incense, which would be burned on the altar of incense. And it would represent the prayers Prayers. of Israel going up to God. And so you've got all of the senses combined in this one experience to show the power of beauty in a relationship with God.
0: You know what else is really interesting about this when you're taking us through the sanctuary process is the people behind that are taking part in the creation of these beautiful, like they're laboring mm-hmm. for God and with God to make all of these wonderful things. For example, yeah. like the different people that made the different instruments and the the curtains or the ornate decorations. They were right. all very diverse people from right. diverse backgrounds. Like they got the lumber from a particular area. Right. Right. They they got this, they had this one clan make these things. And I think there's a very interesting um, thing that you mentioned about the spirit of the Lord.
1: Yes. So there's this guy by the name of Bezalel. Yes. Uh, for anybody that's thinking about naming their kids, that would probably <laughs> be a fantastic, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, Bezalel, uh, he's found in Exodus chapter 35 and also in Exodus chapter 31. Um, 35 verse 31 and 31 verse 3. Uh, and this is actually Bezalel. He has been gifted with uh, the, the mind for design and the skill of creating beautiful things. Wow. And he's So actually, like the first
0: interior decorator kind of?
1: Yeah, basically. Okay. In scripture, Exodus 31. And he is the first person that the Bible describes as having the spirit of God fall upon him
0: that is incredible. So like the very first interior designer decorator. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is the one that has the spirit of God fall upon him. And so for anybody that's aspiring to be an interior designer or being an artist and all that kind of stuff, there's biblical grounds for your work.
0: I also want to make a point to say that there were diverse people working on this. It wasn't just my version of beauty and Mm -hmm. his version of beauty, people were masters of their craft. And God recognized them for their hard work and their uh, craftsmanship and their skills and had them make certain things that were put into the sanctuary. So it's like an appreciation of everybody's skills. It's like drawing everybody together to work on the house of the Lord. It's kind of like the body of Christ. It's yeah. diverse and right. everybody has something different to bring to the table and yes. no one is better than the other. Right. You know, it's it's in, and in that we can appreciate the beauty because we, we're we taking part right. in creating mm-hmm. that. I, I think that's such, I, I think it's such a marvelous and wonderful example of true beauty in the Bible. And it also to me speaks to the relationship um, aspect is because when you see the children of Israel falling away mm-hmm. and God, through his prophets, would speak to them and say, you are you are wanting your Israel is a prostitute going after this and going after yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And they're going after one. You said like desires are very, very important. Right. Yeah. And yeah. they have a desire. And they, I guess in their relationship with God, they feel like it can't be met. So they're desiring something outside, mm-hmm. but it's only one thing. And God is providing all of these things. What right. do you, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause there's actually a couple people that have wrote in questions that are similar to this. That really? will kind of steer our, our, our conversation. Um, somebody wrote in, can beauty be deceptive?
0: Okay. So that's,
1: that's one question. And another one that's tangential to that, um, Can beauty be deceptive and um, God's creation is naturally beautiful. Talking about nature and mankind, but can beauty be artificially manufactured?
0: Absolutely. I I think the first one, can beauty be deceptive? I I think uh, the first one in the garden, when Mm -hmm. Eve saw the snake. The tree was
1: desirable. Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. And the snake was very beautiful Mm -hmm. and it, it took her by surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, I obviously think that, the reason why she fell was because not because she was believing in the lies that Satan was saying, but that she didn't believe in the truth. Ooh, God has yeah. provided so much and yeah. there was just one little thread that was tempted. And that's usually what pulls us away, which right. is what I was trying to get to mm-hmm. is that um, we have so many needs and God supplies and provides for all of our needs and yes. even our desire. So yes. if the desire is there, God is there to provide for it. Right. But oftentimes God is meeting all these needs. There's just one thing that seems Mm -hmm. like, oh, this looks really good over here. And so we go off based off of one thing when God is supplying so much. So I think beauty can be deceptive. Mm -hmm. I think we can get pulled away, but it's believing and trusting that God has something so much better Mm -hmm. for us. What do you think about that?
1: Well, God created us as beings to enjoy pleasure. Yes. And there's this, this thought, this idea, and it stems out of Scripture that if we have a desire in our heart, there's got to be something that fulfills, fulfills that it. desire.
0: Absolutely. Right?
1: And so predominantly the examples that are used for that are sexual relationships. When mm-hmm. someone's desiring physical intimacy with someone, they'll look for that on the internet, in illicit relationships, all this other stuff. And Satan is the master of counterfeit. Yes. He's just a coffee cat. Uh,
0: he, yeah. in,
1: in what he does, he's showing God's glory because he can't come up with anything original. Right. He's just copycatting what God is doing.
0: Deceptive beauty is the same. It's just a counterfeit.
1: Exactly. And so we, and I I think I have to be careful with we statements, uh, but (laughs) we as a church have often um, said that desire is bad. We've said that uh, the desire for intimacy is bad and you have to, it's bad until you get married. And then once you get married, it's okay. But you grow up your whole life learning and hearing that desire is a bad thing. But desire is not a bad thing. That's a God-given thing. That's a, a the only reason that we could possibly love God is because he first love, uh, loved us yes. and created yes. in us a desire to reach after yes. him. Yes. And so as we're thinking about beauty, our desires are not bad. The mm-hmm. fact that we like to see beautiful things, that we like to hear beautiful things is not bad. It's the object mm-hmm. of beauty that we're looking at. Right. And so are we looking at Satan's counterfeit mm-hmm. of beauty? Are we following after the worldly things, as you said a moment ago, and, and, and focusing on things that don't lead to God? Or in our quest for beauty and enjoyment of pleasure, are we seeking the things of God? Mm. And when we seek the things of God, it's not our desires that are bad. Our desires are good. It's what draws us to the good. Mm. But when we shift our focus towards the things of God, when we see the beauty of nature, when we see the beauty of God in the people around us, in the relationships that we have, each and every one of us has been created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful thing. It is
0: a beautiful thing.
1: But we have to see the beauty that God has given people and not settle for the cheap counterfeit.
0: You know, and that brings me to what you were talking about in Romans, where Paul talks about worshiping Mm -hmm. the created versus the creator and Mm When, we've, when we turn our eyes upon Jesus and we focus on him, I think he will reveal to us what yeah. is the right way. And as Paul says later in Philippians, he will provide the will and to work yes. towards that. Like right. it won't we won't be stranded alone and and thinking, oh, I'm so I'm, I'm so confused on, mm-hmm. on what is on what is good and what is not. I, I wanted to ask you, though, um, mm-hmm. this might be a really difficult question, okay. but no graven image. Ah. no graven image you know what i'm talking about when we you think do. of exodus we think of the ten commandments yes. and not really the sanctuary yeah. and the beauty of the sanctuary right. and here we have all these craftsmanships or crafters making all of these ornate yeah. uh designs yeah. and stuff but doesn't that go against no graven image uh
1: on first blush i i think it does okay. but if you look deeper in it i don't think it i don't think it does Because you look at what God has established in the sanctuary and he's Mm -hmm. using all of these different different beautiful things to show his love, to show his plan of redemption, to show his character. Mm. But what he's telling the children of Israel in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 is don't have any images that defile my image. So oh, okay. God's not saying, often we read that passage to be like, okay, no edifices, no pictures, no altars, no right. worship of anything, no images, nothing of that, no graven images. But there's a descriptor in there. It doesn't say no images. It says no graven images, mm. which means images that paint a false picture of who God is. So if you look at the history of the Christian church, there's been... Uh, like a,
0: first century Christians. First century Christians,
1: right. 300s, 400s, 500s. Tradition crept into the Christian church that established the, the worship of the saints, that established worship and and prayers to actual images and uh, an emphasis on places where people can come and meet God. Uh, and I think those are all fine and well, as long as we are remembering that those, and particularly, I mean, the the images of people shouldn't be worshiping those, mm-hmm. but the images and the beauty that lead us and direct us to God, I think about, we don't have it turned on, but here in the church, we've got the, the stained glass behind us. That's yeah. Jesus with, the little sheep, and he's the right. shepherd, right? We don't worship that image. No, that's not. We don't come here and look at it and be like, "Oh, that's that's great, find a danny." Oh, Jesus, you're amazing. <laughs> no, it's a reminder of who Jesus is. Mm. And so often we've shunned away from beauty and images and everything because it's ah, oh, that's that leads us down a, a road. It can, but if we take a step back and remember that the images and the things that humans create—songs, pictures. Uh, all of these different things that uh, help us to worship, mm-hmm. those are all pointing to a God who loves us.
0: So if somebody has a talent for art, we shouldn't, we shouldn't shun it and no. say, yeah, we should. God has created those gifts right. to be used and utilized, yeah. right? And we
1: have to be stewards of that. Right. We can't use our artwork and our imagery to steer people in the wrong direction. God says mm. no. Uh, we can't use those things to, to steer people in the wrong direction. But if we're using the gifts that God has given us, turning them back over to God and saying, God, uh, you know, I kind of play the piano decently. I want to give that to you. Uh, I can kind of draw some pictures and do some graphic design, I'm giving that over to you. And when we do that, when we give, when we tithe, not only our money, our but time, our, our time, our, talent. our talents, our skills, everything, when we give yeah. that back to God, it's amazing how God will bless us.
0: So did we answer that second question on, I, I can't recall exactly what was said. It was um, basically... Is beauty? Do we do we put too much?
1: Mm, yeah. Do we
0: we take it too far? And I definitely think right. that we can take it too far. I think uh, Pastor Michael and I talked about this yesterday, but God and Jesus are the master at feng shui. Yeah. They're the master at <laughs> that function and form of beauty, yeah. making things um, beautiful, but also having a purpose behind them. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people do elaborate things to themselves, but I think the heart of the issue. And especially if I have, if, if somebody comes to me for counseling and they're tr- trying to overdo it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, as women, um, I'm, I'm guilty. Like we, we love makeup. We love these different things. But the, the purpose is what am I trying to draw attention to? Mm-hmm. Am I trying to draw attention? Am I trying to make people comfortable with me so they can be comfortable, so I can reflect God? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I want to have good hygiene. I want to take care of myself and not mm-hmm. be like, well, I don't want anybody to look at me. So I'm just not going to take <laughs> care of myself. I, I think that's taking it too far because right. then you're a distraction. Right. Yeah. But we don't want to be a distraction leaning on the one side or the other. Mm-hmm. We want to live up to the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, And there's a a story that you're alluding to a little bit. It's found in Matthew chapter 26, verses 8 through 10. And it's the story of Mary Magdalene bringing the alabaster box to Jesus, right? So Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, the one that Jesus is loving, that's trying to to woo towards him in in a loving and caring way to have a relationship with her. She sneaks into uh, a meal with uh, some Pharisees and the disciples and religious leaders, and she opens up this alabaster box of oil. And according to Matthew's uh, corroborating between Matthew, Mark, and Luke that contain this story, this is likely within a week Jesus is going to be dead. Mm. And scholars believe that she's actually anointing Jesus' body ahead of time. But there's someone in that group that asked the question, and it's Judas, and he asked Jesus, he's like, don't you see what this woman is doing?
0: All that could have been used for, what a waste of money. We could have fed the poor. We
1: could have done ministry. Why are we spending, why did she spend so much money on this ornate thing? Why did we spend so much money on making the church look good? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I think Judas has a point. He does. But what you mentioned a moment ago, it's a balance. Because Jesus responds to Judas and says, no, don't cast her away. She has done a beautiful thing for me. And so as we're kind of wrapping up our discussion of beauty, I think we have to come to a place where we balance beauty versus ministry. We balance mm. giving to other people and enjoying the skills and the talents that God has given us. Our churches, our buildings are the places that we worship should be representative of the God that we serve. Yes. Because uh, I, they're likely you walk into any church and by how the church is decorated, how it's built, where the people worship, you can tell the God that they're worshiping by how that building is constructed. And so before, before we go, and uh, there's some people online that are bringing up this question. Um, so often God appears to me as a, uh, as a spurned lover, holding out to me a bouquet of those roses you oh, speak wow. of. Why is my response so often to ignore him? And that leads us to the practical kind of summation of our conversation this morning. And how do we respond to God's love? How do we respond to God's beauty?
0: How do we respond to God's beauty? Yeah. Are you talking about personally, or are you speaking on like how do we in general respond? Yeah. No. To how
1: it? do How do I now that we've talked about beauty, we've seen it coming from the Bible, and God is this God of beauty. How do we in our own personal lives? How do we make this practical? how do How do we try beauty? What are we doing this week that's going to enable us to taste and see that God is good to to try the beauty of God?
0: I think. You know, I love the saying is that those who who seek God will find God in everything. And mm. that means is to look at the things of your life that are precious and beautiful. There mm. is so much scariness in this world. There are so many things that we can be focusing on. And I know a lot of people are focusing on like when's the last day? We gotta we gotta flee. We gotta run. We gotta mm. do this. We gotta do that. And I what the Bible really tells us to do is to keep our eyes on Jesus. And in that, we can appreciate the beautiful things that he's Mm -hmm. doing, even in the moments Mm -hmm. of chaos. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the challenge. Trying beauty is asking God, how can I best exemplify your beauty, Lord? How can I best in my attitude Mm -hmm. and the words that I speak? Like, Mm -hmm. is there something that is there is there is there some words that I'm using that are not resembling your beauty and your character of beauty. Yeah. Is there something that I can do to put your smile on my face? Mm-hmm. Like, those are the things that I want to focus on. I want to exemplify God's beauty in my life so that Absolutely. others will see that God is beautiful.
1: Absolutely. And I think we can come to the conclusion that the as beauty is described in the Bible, when we talked about the sanctuary and creation, we can see that God is a lover of beauty mm-hmm. and takes uh, uh, the the things that are related to to his service and to the plan of redemption and makes them beautiful. Um, God's truth is beautiful as well. We focus so much on the, the organization of, uh, of theology. And I've got this list of lines or uh, rules and doctrines that I follow, but we don't take the big picture in the story of the Bible and see the beauty that God has infused in his representation of his character. God's Mm -hmm. message of salvation is placed within an aesthetic medium. The sanctuary is completely aesthetic. It's all touchy-feely and I see, I hear, I smell, I feel. Mm. And God's plan of salvation is part of that aesthetic medium. God's people are a beautiful sanctuary. Our bodies are a temple. We're created in God's uh, workmanship. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We and are God's
0: handiwork. We are
1: God's handiwork, right? Yes. And lastly, God himself is beautiful. And I think Paul sums it up quite nicely in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Uh Yeah, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these these things.
0: things." Amen.
1: And so as our invitation this morning to you to try beauty, we invite you to experience the beauty of God to experience God as a God who wants to have an experimental and experiential relationship with you. Don't focus on the cheap counterfeit, the things that the devil has for you. No, no, no. Forget that. Focus on what God is revealing about himself in the Bible and enjoy and bask in the beauty of God. Amen. So that finishes our discussion for this morning. We're going to be picking this up. There were several other of you that asked excellent questions that we weren't have We didn't have time this morning to answer, but back tonight, at 5 p.m. Hopefully we can put a graphic up on the screen for you at thisiselevate.org slash live. You can tune in uh, either on Zoom or on uh, a live stream and join us for a continued version of this conversation. I'm
0: really excited about that.
1: Yeah, me too. We're going to be able to, to dive in deeper and to share some quotes and some other things that we weren't able to this morning and specifically dialogue with you in questions. So uh, we're going to kick it back over to our praise team at this point, And we're so thankful that you were part of our discussion this morning. We'll see you.
2: You know, as with everything that God has created, the devil has a distortion for it. And that's really good to remember because a lot of times our flesh runs to the distortion first unless the Spirit of God is living within us. So God created it. The devil has a distortion for it. For example, pornography is a distortion of physical intimacy. Lust is a distortion of true love, and there are way too many movies made about that trying to tell you what that is. But God is the creator of beauty, and it shouldn't be overlooked. His beauty shouldn't be overlooked just because a distortion exists. You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I like the point that was brought up saying that we were created to enjoy pleasure we really were that's what physical intimacy is all about sure it's been perverted but being a christian doesn't mean that you don't have any desires and that you're supposed to ignore all your desires quite the opposite actually it's just that the spirit helps us to desire the right things because god made each of us with a beautiful purpose all coming from different angles and personalities that's just how great he is when was the last time that you just stopped and took a walk just to hear and see God around you? Put your phone away. Just go for a walk. Maybe you know a friend who needs to hear what was said today or maybe a friend who needs to go on that walk with you. Our executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our team includes Evelyn Alanis, Candace McCormick, Samu Sialoga, Alethea Galvin, Emily Weaver, and Issa Manu.
1: Special thanks to Danae Sanji in 883 The Journey and Devin Grady and the Keen Church Media team.